Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder, wherever you get your podcasts. What you're about to hear is an unscripted, one-time counseling session focused on work. For the purposes of maintaining confidentiality, names, employers, and other identifiable characteristics have been removed, but their voices and their stories are real. I think the sort of hilarious irony really is that for two people who run a communications company, we are both like drastically terrible at communicating. <laughs> they had been together for 13 years as business partners, as close friends that I had met in college that stumbled upon this new idea that turned into a very successful business that is on a number of continents and bi-coastal. And the business is actually doing really well and the relationship is sinking. The, the kind of the single most stressful thing in my working life, if not life, um, is are the challenges with our relationship. I just, I feel continually undermined. The job has always been that place where I've been needed and I feel important. A lot of the people that work for me are like an extension of my family. There's no doubt that your emotional and relational dowry comes with you to work. Imagine going to work every day in a really busy place and no one will make eye contact with you. I mean, it feels like a breakup. It doesn't feel. It is. So, how's work? Four years they've been sitting with this. And so the ask was big. It was A, about just opening up the conversation. B, about what actually needed to be talked about. And C, what was a potential resolution that they could both engage in. But the conversation was so hard for them that I understood why it took them four years. And it wasn't just hard for them. It was hard for me as well, because they kept unconsciously saying, we need to talk about this, but then did everything possible to not talk about this. There's sort of two aspects to it for me. One is the relationship. Um, and then the other is the sort of the, the business and what we both, our roles and what we both bring to the business. Um, yeah, I'd like to sort of be able to get, get to a point where we can um, have a kind of way of being able to... Which one keeps you awake at night? I mean, 
a couple of months ago, it was it was kind of quite bad. But which one, the business or the relationship? Hmm. Well, the business is fine, really. <laughs> um, so I'd say it's probably. That's one thing you agree on. Is that both of you are preoccupied by the fissures of your relationship? Yeah, I mean, I'd say like this sort of, when I look at what we've achieved together and I look at where we've come from, it seems it's so sad that we can't see eye to eye. I think, you know, at the times when we've been most aligned, I've been most happy in the business and I felt most sort of confident in myself as a, as a as someone operating the business and just generally like in life because, you know, business does flow into so many other aspects of the way that you feel about yourself and think about yourself. Um, and I read, so yesterday, just by chance, I read that Carl Jung said, loneliness is not an absence of people, it's an absence of genuine understanding. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, or, or be feeling genuinely understood. And I think if I could sort of put my finger on like a key fissure between the two of us, it's like, I don't, I haven't always felt supported because there's this because we because there is a fissure because there was a challenge there in our relationship and it, which had been there for years and it is name it i it's getting quite big quite quickly but um <laughs> i you're doing good the challenge i think is that, is it okay that i of course be, yeah, yeah. be gps you can gps yeah 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 it's probably just for the best um, you know, throughout that entire period of building the company, you know, when we won lots of awards and things, you know, I was always really keen to make sure that we shared the stage together. And, you know, I feel like that, it, you weren't quite as willing to share the stage with me. And that, like, and, and that led to some of the decision making that I that you know so when you were like look you know you have to let all these people go or you have to do this or that it was it it wasn't necessarily coming from, you know even today like you know we're looking at the marketing and you know I I feel like you're quite sort of anti-marketing but part of the reason I think you're anti-marketing frankly is because I think you think you see it as something that I'm doing and so if we can kind of, like, if it could, you know, if, if we can show that marketing fails as a thing for us to do, then that will somehow diminish me, you know, rather than that Hold was definitely the thing that we needed to do. Does that make sense? What do you hear? Yeah. yeah um, Just repeat it. Okay. So that we get a sense, because he said a lot. Yeah. So what I hear is that there's a, there's a kind of emotional response to a lot of the decisions that we've had to take as a business. Um, for me, I, I kind of think... No, but before no. you <laughs> Sorry. rebuttal, yeah. what did you hear him say? He said something extremely important. That it was about doing it together and sharing the stage, no? <laughs> yes, but that's not what. That's look. 
we tend to be able to repeat things quite easily when it's stuff we have no problem listening to. What's extraordinary is how hard it is. And generally, we can probably handle 10 seconds, which is three sentences. But before you answer, you have got to just say, this is what I'm hearing. And then instead of shaking your head, you can say you heard a piece of it or part that's part of it, but there's more. So that we first establish. I will tell you what I heard, but it's also to be checked. It's not because... Mm-hmm. At this point, we have reached a place where there is a confusion between you're disagreeing with my idea, with, with an idea versus you're disagreeing with me. And it becomes essentialized. It's not about marketing. It's not about this or that. It ends mm-hmm. up being about me. And I feel that on some level, I'm undermined. Mm-hmm. And then I have to prove myself and I'm being tested. And if it's something that I want, by definition, you won't want it, but not because of the idea, but because it's coming from me. And that's how the waters have gotten muddled. Is that? Yeah. Okay. It's okay to say, I don't, you know, I'm not sure I really understand what you're saying. But if you don't listen, it's because you're busy with the rebuttal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So you got to slow it down and anchor yourself first and foremost into the listening. That's, the essence of the communication is actually not the talking. Mm. It's the listening. He gave you the opening line, right? There's a loneliness in not being understood. That's a, you, that in itself is a loneliness. And you are, do you still see each other outside of work? Do you still have a friendship? Um, sometimes. A bit. Do you still talk about anything besides the shop? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you still go out just to hang and be with each other for the company of each other? Well, we've lived in different places for five years. Yes. So not... Do you still text each other stuff that is not about work? Mm, As the way that you bring each other into each other's lives? Not really, no. Not really. Is that a loss? Do you care about it? Are you so fixated on the shop and on the business that... The friendship is no longer on the menu? No, I mean, I'd quite like it there. I sort of would quite like to not have the business yeah. <laughs> um, in the way and just be able to be friends, you know, outside the, of that. The thing that's quite marked is, like, we're lucky enough to have built a company of people who we get on really well with. Um, no, no, I understood. The people in the company are rather happy. It's just the two co-founders that are yeah. not particularly <laughs> yeah, happy yeah. with each other. Yeah. With each other. Yeah. And at this point, they can't discuss an idea because an idea becomes the representation of a person. Mm. And when it becomes essentialized this way, you no longer, if you're dis- you no longer know if you're discussing, I don't like the idea or I don't like you. Right. And that's where potentially, that's where I get very frustrated because... So does he. Yeah. <laughs> so first answer him. <laughs> I mean, answer him yeah. doesn't mean argue with it. It's just... Repeat now that I said it. Just repeat it again. What do you think he was talking about? What did you hear? That when I object to an idea, he sees that, you see that, as um, somehow a rejection of you or 
uh, or, or, or a way of sort of me somehow proving a, a point. For the first hour of this session, they've told me what they want to address and they've shown me how they will do anything possible never to talk about what they came to talk about. They avoid conflict, they avoid pain, they avoid the inevitable, they avoid having to face each other and say those things to say, I don't want to continue with you. And I'm actually actively trying to push you out. This is not an uncommon story among co-founders in which one often may find that there is one person whose primary paradigm continues to be the relationship and the friendship and the other one who's more mercenary and whose primary paradigm becomes business first. So after an hour, my frustration has been mounting and I feel for them because I realize that they're desperate to engage in a conversation and they have no idea how to do it and they'll do anything not to do it because it is about to show the sad sides and the not nice sides that each of them carries. I mean, when we first set the company up, we talked all the time. I mean, like, mm-hmm. just daily, yes. several times. Because we were all, there was always like, oh, we can do this, and we can do that, and we can do, you know. And I think as the business developed, you know, we just talk less, and then the less you talk, the less you sort of get that genuine level of communication. Yeah, it's like and, a relationship. Yeah. yeah, who knew? Who knew? Um, right? In the I, beginning, you don't stop. I, I think also just, I think kind of trying to unpick it a bit as well, like that whole period in London, um, in terms of letting people go, that's where I feel like let, let down by you in that like it stopped becoming a partnership there because I was doing everything I could to try and support you and to help make these difficult decisions to the point where I actually came back and did some of it. Um, but you, there was a kind of unwillingness to listen to, to those very practical um, suggestions and solutions. Um, and that led to immense frustration um, on my side, which I know had an impact, you know, from on a personal level. And that, yeah, that's kind of where it it, it really is. That, I mean, that difficult. was extremely damaging. I think we just both have very different narratives about, like, what happened from when you moved to the US on. I think we came here, it was, you know, admittedly, like, you, it was something that you really drove. And, you know, we moved over here. And we basically gutted the UK business to make New York into the biggest opportunity that we could. You know, you said just you just said something that I, I want to pick up on for a sec, if you allow me. We have different narratives. Hmm? Give me just a sense. What kind of relationship cultures you come from and you grew up in? when it comes to talking about difficult subjects, being direct with people that are close to you, managing conflict, 
expressing certain feelings or not, or other feelings, but not those. What kind of relationship cultures did you grow up in? What's your, I call this the relational diary. <laughs> the stuff that we bring with us to work and does not stay at the door. I mean, for me, we didn't, we didn't talk about feelings a lot at home. Well, I mean, very sort of loving uh, environment and, you know, very happy with my upbringing. And, but there wasn't, my dad's English and didn't talk about emotions very much. Um, my mum? So my mum, German, very direct. Um, so I sort of got some of the, that directness, I think. From her. How did people handle disagreement, conflict? Uh, yeah, not we, we're not a sort of big, like, talky, emotional family. Um, I'm not good at vocalising my feelings. I know that. I've been told. <laughs> um, and I think that then I have very, I think, high expectations of myself and therefore other people and can not verbalize that kind of stuff so I think there are I recognize there are times where I just expect people to get things and expect them to you know yeah just have high expectations and I think that then when that doesn't happen I then get annoyed um, and how do you show annoyance passive aggressive <laughs> I think What's your well, I either withdraw I'll just kind of go very quiet yeah I normally just do that and just keep it keep it inside. <laughs> <laughs> Good old British bottling up. <laughs> yeah, but there's an art to passive-aggressive. So what's, right. your, what's your particular craft? Um, I think just point... I can ask you too. Yeah, you know yeah. the guy. <laughs> You've um, known him many years. Yeah. And you may be better off at yeah, knowing yeah, each no, other sure. than yourself. Yeah, probably. Um, I mean, very similar vibe um, for, for me too. Um, Either rolling your eyes, or I find you lick your teeth to me quite a lot. I find that quite, <laughs> which is a very sort of um, animalistic um, sort of fight mechanism. Um, Not I don't know if you notice that, but you mm. do it to me all the time. Um, hmm. You know, the, I think the sort of the sort of hilarious irony really is that for two people who run a communications company, we are both like drastically terrible at communicating, <laughs> um, which is probably why we're sitting here. Um, well, or the reverse. The fact that you're here, I always take as there's a, there's a longing underneath. Mm. There's a wish for something better. Yeah. You may not know how to do it, but you at least have a desire to want to do it. And mm -hmm. that, that speaks volumes. So um, I don't think that you, the fact that you're here is because you're worse than others. Quite mm. <laughs> to the contrary. Mm? But I do want to know, how does conflict get managed? How does appreciation get expressed? How does uh, um, disagreement come out? How does sadness get expressed? I mean, there's a, a wide vocabulary. So what's, what's the vocabulary you come with? Um, bottle it up and don't deal with it, and then go to the pub. Um, probably why I'm still really cut up about my dad dying when I was 10. Not that, that has anything to do with this really, but like inability to deal with challenges. 
is, uh, or, or, or emotional challenges, sorry, is, is an issue. <laughs> I don't think either of us deal particularly well with communicating unhappiness. And that's where you are. Mm -hmm. You are rather unhappy with your relationship with your co-founder and your friend. And he, you, are rather unhappy as well. So that is actually the thing that you're in the midst of at this moment. Mm -hmm. Not the direction of the company. That is actually unfolding quite well. Um, and part of what you're doing about your unhappiness is you're fortifying the troops. You're building a case for leaving, but of course with the fantasy that he would do the leaving, so you don't even have to take responsibility for that. That's passive-aggressive. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, yeah. Right? And he feels it. Mm -hmm. And he even says it. You know, you're, you're inching me out. So far, so good? Yeah. All right, continue. I just, I feel continually undermined. Um, we had a thing on Friday where we have a deck that we send no, out. I want you to try and do that thing that you just said is so hard. Yeah. I, I'll be with you. I'll help you. Thank you. I just feel continually marginalized. Um, a company that I've like loved and given my all and given countless late nights and weekends and hours and hours and weeks of lost sleep. I just feel like my joy and desire to do it is just crushed, like, over and over. And every time we're on a call and, I mean, it doesn't even necessarily need to be when I go off on one. Like, quite often you'll just roll your eyes at the things that I say or, you know, like, finding that the deck with that, like with my, like, right, with my name excluded. This is the moment excluded. when you want to check if he's listening. With my name excluded. Like, <laughs> you know, the, re going... the reason I got so upset about that on Friday was because like that was just, it was just the clearest possible manifestation of the way I feel. So that was, that was just, a, it was a, a slide of the, of the company and it had everyone in the company on it, except I just, I literally just didn't feature. So it was like a sort of, it was a hierarchy of the company with one person missing and the one person missing with me. And that just, you know, now. That hurt. That hurt, but it, it hurt because I've f had that feeling for years. You know, that first year when we entered loads of, we went into these big awards. But you see, you're thinking and you're oozing feeling. Okay. You tell him that, hurt yeah and now just shut you up yeah. you sit with it yeah the problem is that you talk to flatten whatever you feel yeah and you go numb and when yeah. you go numb he goes numb yes yeah fair that is fair i guess uh, you know that's it now go back to him yeah. sit and let him react yeah i get it it's an awful thing you build this thing they put a slide up you're not even in it yeah that's a clear feeling. Yeah. It sucks to be edited out. You feel excluded and hurt. 
experience. Yeah. Shut up. Me, shut up, not you, shut up. <laughs> I know, I know. It's not shut up. It's you don't allow yourself to feel it. Yeah. And I, it hurts. It feels awful. But by continuing to talk, yeah, yeah. you don't allow yourself to actually well, you feel you dilute it. what you're saying. That's right. Yeah. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. I realized in listening to the session that I actually ended up doing with him what he was doing with his partner. I was trying to help him to actually just sit for a moment with the load of emotion that was coming up as he was describing how he had been rendered invisible. But instead of saying, just sit with it for a moment. Where in your body are you feeling this? And then just watch the wave come over him and just say, stay with this. Let it come out. I ended up saying to him, you're not letting yourself feel, rather than helping him to actually feel it. And let the other person see the consequences of his actions. So I missed it. That's, that's his mom. So the only thing you turn to him and you say, do you get it? 
Do you understand? We're not solving the business problem at this point. Yeah. So we solve, we're just in this conversation. Mm -hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. What, like, how would you like it to be? That's a very good question. Um, I guess I'd like to just put a lot of that animosity behind us. You know, like there's a lot of water under the bridge. I understand that. I want us, I want to feel like you've got my back. <laughs> yeah, uh, which I've, I, I, yeah, I, I totally understand. Um, and for me, it's about kind of, I guess, finding a way back to, you know, that the first few years of the company and and how that and how that worked. But part of that is is around the roles, I think, mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's that's where I kind of keep keep coming back to. I listened to him say, "I want you to have my back. I want to feel that you still care about me." I want to feel like we're still in this together. And the other one answers from the place of structurally, I think we need to redefine the roles here in the company. But emotionally, he kind of is gone. And this discrepancy is something that I really have witnessed so many times in romantic relationships. When one person is still fighting for the relationship and the other person basically just came to drop this one off and said, see you later, I'm, go I'm on my way out. Um, and it is basically, there, you cannot work on a relationship if one person is gone. You need two people. But I, yeah, I get it. Like from a, from a sort of emotionally supportive perspective, I, I definitely can do more. Mm. Um, do you think there is validity in what he describes when he says, I feel undermined, you don't have my back? You translate this as he wants me to agree with him. Mm -hmm. and so your next thought is, how can I have his back and not agree with him? It's the only way he will feel supported is if I say yes to what he says and I don't agree with it. Yeah. All right, speak up. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because I think that that kind of is, you know, I think for from a work perspective, the the I I do have doubts, you know, I do, that's that's kind of where it comes from. I just kind of do sort of worry about the the role and what what you're going to be doing and where that's best placed and that that's where I think to a certain extent I, I don't have your back <laughs> you know mm. um, from a business perspective um, obviously from a you know I don't want I want you to be happy <laughs> um, mm. and I'm yeah kind of happy to yeah, I, I see what you mean. Though. I, I I sort of say yes, I'm happy to help you get that, but 
I, I am kind of saying on my terms, so I do recognise that that's, mm. that's not the right way to do it, really. Um, but what, so in terms of kind of supporting but not agreeing, what does that look like? <laughs> I think the first thing you may want to say to him is, I don't know how to do it with you. Mm. You know, part of the stock is that at this point, if you don't agree with him, he can't hear what you say either mm. because he instantly feels rejected mm -hmm. or undermined. So he's into his wound, he's into being hurt. He's not able to actually hear that maybe there's a different point of view. Everything's muddled. Mm. A thought is a feeling and a feeling is hidden. By the way, if you ever say, I feel that, what follows is never a feeling. What follows is a thought. The injunction that moves us into a thought. And generally, it's a thought about what the other person is doing. I feel hurt is a feeling. Mm -hmm. I feel that you're undermining me is a statement about him. Yeah, it's just clumsy language. A new vocabulary that you want to learn. Somebody in the company is going to have to do it anyway. Because these are normal feelings in a company. Mm. Being hurt, feeling ejected, feeling excluded, feeling not included. All of these things, you know. Yes, in a polarized system, every person basically ends up defending themselves. And there's a lack of accountability that just says, what you are describing about me, I did do. That said, there is more. When you did it, I didn't react in the same way, or I totally see that I almost tanked the ship. In this situation, everyone is only referencing half of the story. And it's the other person who then highlights the part that each one is not acknowledging. That's what happens in a polarized system, is that everyone is actually saying the part that they wish the other one was saying but is not. Meanwhile, I don't know anything about this slide, that's hostile. It's aggressive. Is somebody owning that? I mean, it wasn't me that put that slice no, together, sure that, uh, but yeah. I guess I could have... Well, you, you did bring it up about six months ago, and I did create a new slide with all of us but, on there, and I have a version of it, which I've been sending out to clients, which does have you on it. So that, so it's so that not was, cut and dry. <laughs> It was just the clearest possible manifestation of something which I've raised in the past. You know, it, it's not. It's also not like it was a mistake that happened and then it was rectified and it all, you know all was fine and dandy. It was a mistake that happened. I raised it and sort of said, uh, "There is another person in the company. We agreed to fix it." And then six months later, that it's not been fixed. You know, I'm not saying that's like that is like directly your fault at all I, but it's just it's it's a manifestation of something that's far more that i feel on a basic level on every single call that we do with the management team on every single document that gets sent out every single email you know so slightly overstating it but like i just it is just it's a background feeling that is always there what 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 where do you think that comes from 
I think it comes from... Good. It was very good. <laughs> I think it comes from a real desire that this was is just your company and that I wasn't part of it. I mean, that's very interesting, but kind of that's, I've never had that feeling. Uh, and I've, I've been in a position where I felt completely like I have no role and, you know, sails to the wind, you know, in the early years a lot. You know, you were the guy that had the filmmaking ability. What was I doing? I was just sort of hanging around. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, I supported yeah. you, but I supported you then. Now, the shoe is on the other foot. It's not even that I'm not getting that support back. I feel like actively you're using the fact that I am in not quite such a defined role to marginalise me. Yeah, I mean, I understand why, why you would feel that. My, my kind of response is it's, it's come, from, come from a sort of business reason, like there's sort of... But, I, but, yeah. but, I, but back then I could have gone, you know what, I don't see the value that you're bringing. You know, you're, like, there's a, such a discrepancy in the value that we're bringing to the company. Not only was I making the film, I was also a new business director. Right? So I was making all the calls like, you know, to all the agencies that then grew, like, blew the company up. Right? I could at any point then have gone, what exactly is he doing? And I didn't. I stood by you, and I, I always made sure that we shared the podium. And when we had the challenges in the UK, and you were over here, at board level, across, you know, you used the fact that we had low sales in the UK to completely commandeer the well, control of the board, to ostracize me. And, it, and, you know, we know, like, companies go through sales cycles where, like, sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down. We had a sales squeeze last year in New York, which we came through. You know, we had the challenges with the office refit. I've stood by you. Like, I could have used any of those things as leverage, but I didn't. I get it. I understand the sort of... <sighs> I know it was difficult and it felt very hard at the time, but the, the way that the UK business was structured at the time was... That's not what he's talking about. I know, about. I know. So don't, I know, but okay, so don't me, From my point of view, there was, a, there was a, a very strong business case to the point where that business nearly folded. And if I hadn't come in and made those decisions at that, at those, at that time, it probably would have done. And, and it wasn't about some sort of personal power struggle. It was a about trying to save the UK business. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, over the period from when you left to now, we've left, we let 27 people go in the UK to turn that business around, right? We had already let a number of people go before that. We, you know, you came over and basically just said, right, we have to do it like right now, right? I'd waited, I, I'd, you know, I've seen it coming for a lot anyway. We, we look, have, if you go in this direction, you will do an interesting comparative study of the narratives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's irrelevant because you're not busy trying to really understand each other's narratives. 
when one person keeps repeating the same thing over and over again, it's easy to get frustrated. Say, can you finally talk about something else? But the fact is that we repeat because we are still waiting for the other person to actually acknowledge that which we are saying. So we're holding up the flag, not just because we are stubborn and, 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 and a one-note person, but because we are signaling to the other person, I need to know that you see what I see before I can move on to the next thing. He's talking about a very particular thing, which is, regardless of the cycles of the business, I've always put us first. And I experience you putting the business first basically as a betrayal. Mm -hmm. And you're saying, I value our relationship, but not at the expense of the whole business. And I needed to do certain things, which you still haven't recognized, because you're busy with your wounds. I think that's fair, yeah. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. All right. Let's move there then. Otherwise, you will leave and you'll continue what you're doing. What he needs to know is, have you given up on us? Is the business really become more important? Then we will negotiate either he gets a certain role mm. or you get bought out or do you have a partnership agreement or none? No. Nothing. Probably should get that one. How, <laughs> <laughs> and how old were you when you started this whole thing? 25. Right, so you were yeah. the friends sort of, okay, you know, he's still into that, you know, you're my friend, you're my buddy, you're my partner, um, and we do this together, and we waver, and we wave all the ups and downs together, and you're into the, you know, the business comes first, and you're in my way, basically. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment, yeah. Yeah, you're in my way. And he knows it. You want to make the decisions. You want to be the CEO. You want to, you know, you, you're, you're actually no longer talking in partnership terms. And he's in a completely different storyboard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that is, that is true. And I do, that, that is the way I see it. I do, I see it as a business. I see my responsibility towards the board, the shareholders, the employees, the clients. I don't think the company kind of defines, you know, everything about me. I, I see it as a, as a it, it's become it's amazing thing, but I, I don't, I don't think it's going to be the only thing I'll ever do. Um, I hear you. I don't agree with the classification of this difference that I don't care about the company, and of I, and I'm not interested in the success of the like, that or sorry that I put the relationship first. The reason I think the relationship is important is because with the, without the relationship, the company tears itself to pieces. And that's, and that's why I'm willing to overlook things which, on the face of it, seem extremely damaging to the company. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not, it's, it's not some sort of like, oh, you know, this is our amazing, exciting adventure and, you know, we have to stick together and, you know, damn the consequences as long as we're together. It, it's that the value to the company that we're able to offer is drastically enhanced when you combine our two skill sets. He no longer thinks that. No. I know you think that, but he no longer thinks that. That's where you actually are 
party. Mm. Yeah. And, and I, he hasn't know, thought that for a while, and because of that, you are spinning your wheels. Mm. I am saying it for you because you're not being direct. And, you know, if you <laughs> yeah, leave here... Not to be, yeah. huh? But you have to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> At this point, you have to be out of sheer respect for him. Yeah, no, you're right. Because otherwise, you will leave more convinced with what you already came in, yeah. And you're going to continue to do more of what you did in a more blatant way, and it's hostile. Yeah. Maybe he should continue the company, since for you, yeah. you know, if you sell cars or if you sell movies, it's not fundamentally different. You mm -hmm. like the selling, you like the structure, you like the business piece. And so, you know, who knows whose company it will be? Or maybe he does take a certain role, in, or he takes a new division that is not about corporate, or whatever you choose to do. But you first and foremost... It's a terribly painful thing to do it like this, but it's the respectful thing to do. Yeah. And it's why you came. It is. <laughs> Let them do it. Just say that. <laughs> Whatever you're going to say, I don't know what, but... Yeah, I mean, I think we have had the we have had the conversation, but it would be useful to for both of us to really think about what we want to do and yeah, and, and, and what that looks like. Um, I, I I agree. I think if 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 I may, the reason you've lost so much confidence in me is that you really struggle almost to the point of not seeing the benefits and the things that I've done for the company. You know, we've got this absolutely thriving culture in the UK, right? That was because, well, in part, I'm amply supported by the rest of the team. I made turning the culture around in that business the number one priority. And we've done that, and it is absolutely thriving. And it's thriving to the point where neither of the founders need to be there. Now, you, you have real difficulty attributing that to anything that I did. But, like, who else did it? <laughs> yeah, I do. I mean, yeah, just the sort of value conversation is often on quite intangible things mm -hmm. um, and I just I think you know with my sort of business head on that I've the idea yeah, I do find that difficult to 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 sort of put a mm. put a value on because it's it, it's you know it's it's often the well, stuff that's kind of out there a little bit and yeah I mean I guess that you know the tangible the tangible aspect of it is the sales and the profit that we're making in the UK like that is extremely tangible I mean the other thing is you know our Brooklyn refit, which you oversaw, went ended up costing at the last count three hundred and fifty thousand dollars, which, you know, we originally signed off eighty thousand dollars to do that. Now that was entirely on your watch, mm -hmm. right? You know, if we're being completely harsh and you know, and and the business does really come first, there could have been quite a different outcome from that. 
sure, you know, I'm happy to, like, again, I don't want to sort of get into the specifics and the context around that because it's not really about that, but I'm happy to put my case forward and take it to the board or, you know, if we can't agree it between ourselves and... But I, but and, and no, just as, as in I'm, I'm happy with my response to it, I think. That's, the, that's what I mean. But your response is this. I'm not going to argue with what he says about London. The fact is I hold him responsible for London. Mm -hmm. When it doesn't go well on his side, he's responsible. When it doesn't go well on my side, there are a lot of other circumstances. Mine is circumstantial, his is personal. It's classic, yeah. <laughs> you want to leave or you want to part. Why do you need to destroy him first? As a way to justify your wish to go. I mean, you are entitled to go. For whatever reason that you choose, you're entitled to go. Then you'll decide how you want to divide and part and all of that, but you're entitled to do, to want that. And you don't want him so, to leave, so you're, you're groping. That, that's... I, the, I guess... Groping is not the... <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, sure. I, uh, yeah. I bring Gra imagery grasping. from other Gras relationships. <laughs> grasping. Grasping. Yeah. Grasping. Yeah. That's actually... <laughs> Go ahead, tell us. Yeah, look, I, yeah, I recognize that... that um, that I can be very difficult in that in that sense. Um, that's got to be really hard. Um. You're locked because you have a certain desire for whatever reason, and everything gets measured vis-à-vis -vis that. I mean, if I have a wish for you, is that you would leave with one new thought, but it's not happening. What's happening is a reinforcement of every thought you already have. It brings up culture, you say, once again, he brings up culture. We've already talked about culture, him and his culture. You know, it doesn't occur to you to say, of course you had something to do with it. Because there probably is something he had to do with it. Maybe not as yeah. much as you think, but you're not going to give him an inch. Right, yeah, that's fair. Because you're pissed. I don't know why you're pissed, but you're pissed. You're in an ante, and he knows it. So he's trying to justify himself. He's trying to prove to you that he's capable of something. And the more he's trying to prove, and the more you think he's pathetic. But you don't realize that you're putting him down the whole time because you give him nothing. You know, you're entitled to say, I'm, I don't want to continue together. That's a, a fair wish. Yeah. But what you're doing is... It's aggressive. It's hostile. Yeah. yeah. Um. You know, I had something to do with it. And you say, well, I'm not going to get into it because, you know, I have a very different understanding of what really actually happened. And, you know, there is no value to this. And this is, a, what the hell is this? Because I'm sure that tomorrow you're going to make a speech at your company about culture. And how important it is. Because everybody does these days. So you must be doing <laughs> that too. Yeah. But when he brings it up, you think it's woo-woo. Yeah. That's what I mean. Woo-woo. You're no, the hardcore, that. you're the, you know, you're the hard skills, you're the hardcore, you're the number. And, but when it's your numbers, then it's circumstantial. And then you say, I'm happy to bring the board, you know, to do what? Arbitration? Which story is the board going to believe? 
should not have, you know, when you say you lost trust in me or you, it's, it's what's striking to me more is to watch how you lost trust in you. Yeah. I mean, it's painful to watch. Yeah. The, I can only imagine that it's painful to, to experience it. Yeah, you absolutely correctly identify. I just get in this kind of like mindset of like, this is, this is the business. This is how things should be run. This is how we, you know, resolve problems. But you but, have a confirmation bias. Mm. Everything you hear or everything he says gets interpreted vis-a-vis yeah. your main idea. Yeah. It's like you never change perspective. Mm-hmm. Au contraire, it gets more and more rigid. Yeah. No, yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, you're stuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> With that, you're stuck. Yeah. At the end of the session, there was no master game plan of how they were going to proceed henceforward. But so much had been said that they had been avoiding for four years. From the acknowledgement publicly about the difference between one holding the business and one holding the relationship, to neither one of them being able to actually acknowledge anything that the other one is saying about them, and therefore being stuck in highly differentiated and entrenched narratives, to blaming the other for the specific mistakes and blaming circumstances for their own mistakes. And so while I said, I wished you had left with something and I'm not sure we're leaving with anything new, I'm not so sure that they didn't leave with anything new. Esther Perel is a best-selling author, speaker, and host of the podcast, Where Should We Begin? To learn more about Esther Perel's world, to sign up for her newsletter, or to apply to be on the podcast, go to estherperel.com slash housework. Housework is produced by Magnificent Noise for Gimlet and Esther Perel Productions. Our production staff includes Eric Newsom, Eva Wolchover, Destry Sibley, Alex Lewis, Kristen Muller, and our coordinating producer is Lindsay Rutowski. Our recording engineer is Noriko Okabe, and Damon Whittemore is our mix engineer. The theme song was written by Doug Slaywin. And the executive producers of How's Work are Esther Perel and Jesse Baker. We would also like to thank Nazanin Rafsanjani, Matt Lieber, Darian LeBeach, Courtney Hamilton, Kelly Rose, Nick Oxenhorn, Dr. Guy Winch, Paul Schneider, Thomas Curry, Shani Aviram, and Jack Saul. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. 
Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts.